ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 54. Insert disco bumper here. Yeah, of the Chris and Andre Show. We're glad you're we're here, and you guys are missing the... Uh, little dance he's doing <laughs> but uh i'm andre and i'm chris yeah it's been a uh pretty pretty uh interesting past week it's time for politics i mean yeah you know it's like uh on one hand i i'm like I was kind of looking forward to today, if for no other reason than, a, you know, just like a slight return to the spectacle. Yeah. You know, but it, in a way that I felt like, unlike the last five years, and specifically like the last two, probably more so than the than the first three, I feel like I can kind of dip a toe in this one, you know, and and not feel like I have to completely submerge myself. <laughs> in it in order to i i don't know like it just it feels to some degree like and I, I, this is probably a bad feeling it almost feels less consequential than what's already happened um but but i think that's ultimately in large part because i'm feeling fairly certain that i mean nothing is ultimately going to come of this process that no matter how compelling the evidence no matter how ridiculous the antics of these two crack shot lawyers i mean <laughs> the public defendant from my cousin Vinny has been brought up as like being basically bruce caster's mentor um and i i mean i've wa i watched his i was watching uh david uh scoen yeah. um live at one point and he kept insulting people and then turning around and saying respectfully all, yeah you know which is basically with, with, all, with due all due respect, respect mr denton you can go <laughs> yourself like you can't just say that to me well i said with all due respect <laughs> yeah it's uh uh i never went to law school it kind of like looking at these clowns kind of makes me wish I would have gone to law school. Um, I mean, it certainly makes it look like anybody can do it. Um, I mean, if, they do call it practicing law, you know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I could just see myself literally destroying either one of those people I mean, in a conversation. About practice. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> 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 these guys are. I mean. It's it's no surprise or like I wasn't surprised to find out that Trump wasn't going to um, testify. Testify. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would have just. It's like on one hand, you know, we talked a lot over the last year where it's like the hardest thing we have to do is let him talk. Yeah. And I certainly think that putting him up on the stand would have caused him to almost immediately. You know, like, uh, what is it? not perjure himself i mean he'd probably perjure yeah, he himself would, too he would definitely do that um but he would self-indict himself yeah, exactly being... you know like he would basically i mean his lawyer almost did the same thing yeah at one point 
where he was like, the mob that my client encouraged. I mean, wait, let me start over. Seriously. It's, it's, um, I don't know. I don't know what the, um, I don't know what the Senate is looking for, you know? Um, I do think there is some merit to preventing him from ever running for office again. And even, even the opening statement, it's like, but everything you're saying pretty much proves the point that he should never be able to hold a public office again. Right. Um, the unconstitutionality of this, the, the constitutionality of this impeachment is not a question. It's the, it is whatever the, the, the impending punishment should be. Yeah, I agree. I mean, because ultimately the question of the constitutionality has already been brought before this particular jury. Right. And it was already voted on 55 to 45. Like right. nothing that they have said today changes anything in that regard like there was no new information it wasn't like all of a sudden you know they they switched up the format and (laughs) you know now we're doing trial by combat as rudy giuliani (laughs) wanted and it was really january 5th and instead of january 6th so nothing's changed or um and it's just it's it's mind-numbing to it's kind of like at the end of the day i you know i just don't think that um well, the Republicans are going to continue to eat themselves alive. Um, yeah. The the Democrats are... <sighs> I will say that I feel like... Sorry to cut you off, but I do feel like previously, right, when... Because like, we talked about this with uh, with President Obama, where it was like right. the, the elation, right, of getting into office and the kind of like, guys, we did it. Like, we're here... You know, and it it was there was like this sense of we were going to get to work, but it was it was kind of like this moment where you didn't seize the opportunity to really press forward, you know, and instead kind of sat for a second. And I think, you know, Biden has President Biden picked up on that and I think is trying to, you know, chart a different course with regard to that. And I think he, of all people, recognizes um, as you know, elected members of Congress, you should be capable of doing more than one thing at a time. Yeah. It's not that hard. Right. Uh, Every single American does it, you know, like every other American does it. Yeah. Basically every single day. I mean, especially right now, right. Mid mid pandemic when we've got, you know, people, parents that are teachers and, you know, parents and employees and it's like, I'm not overly excited about uh, the prospects of uh, of like the Democrats actually getting a bill to the Senate floor. Um, so what do you mean? It, I, because I, I think they're doing way, they're trying to do way too much. Like even the stimulus uh, package, right? Uh-huh. Uh, a $15 minimum uh, minimum wage doesn't really fix a problem right now is is my argument it'd be like well why is that there you know i can negotiate that out right um the more things that you pack into a bill that are not associated with the actual objective it makes it um an argument between the progressives and the rest of the of the democratic party 
And I, I think they need to kind of shy away from that. Um, they're going to have their own problems in, in the future. I, I just don't feel like, I, I think they have a tendency to get in their own way of getting things done. So it's good to see that the stimulus package is at the top of the list of things to work on, but I, I can't say the same thing for everything else. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't disagree. I think, you know, I, I would be in favor of seeing more standalone legislation, Yeah. you know, um, instead of trying to cram a bunch of stuff together, I understand that ultimately that also creates a lot of opportunities and so there are reasons why politically uh, and process-wise why they're probably trying to combine certain elements. But, yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see how it ultimately plays out. You know, because yeah. I think that I think that President Biden is a pretty good chess player, but I know that, I mean, we just talked about it last episode. Um, so is Mitch McConnell, you know? Yeah, but McCon- the, the thing that the... So my observation is really kind of like I do kind of see a lot of legislation being pushed from the, the administration more so than the, the House or the Senate. Um, I don't think that the Democrats have a um, – I don't think they have a plan, if I'm being honest. You know, it's kind of like the reason we're talking about the stimulus right now is because the administration's pushing it. Right. Mm -hmm. But what comes after that, they need to have, yeah, yeah, they just figured out the whole power structure and that's important to a degree, but they should be spending time with the legislation ready to go, to go to committee. And I don't, I just don't, I have definitely haven't seen it with the Republicans, but you would figure that the Democrats would just have stuff queued up. You know? Yeah, I mean, I do think that because committees were dependent on the power structure being put in place first, right? Like they weren't, <laughs> you couldn't get to committee assignments and stuff until the power structure was decided upon. Right. Um, and so that, again, like this is sh- to some degree, you know, McConnell, I think playing, you know, chess and sitting there right. saying like, okay, well, I'm not going to straight up. I'm not going to Josh Hawley and vote against every single, you know, appointee uh, right. that comes from the Biden administration. But I'm also not going to necessarily go super fast. Right. I mean, yeah. the guy's a fucking turtle. Yeah. Um. So, it, yeah, I mean, it's no surprise to me that he has been slow playing all of this as much as he can. I mean, that's that's basically his his goal it, for the it, next six years is just kind of like, uh, just wait it out. Just try to try to kind of get in the way as much as I can without looking like I'm ultimately getting in the way and finding ways that I can justify this, even though he's going to run that op- he, He's going to run out of that option. It's not going to be an option for a long but time. But does he care? Uh, I mean, that's uh, what I'm wondering. Like, I think he cares a lot about his, you know, his legacy. I, I think he wants to not go, out like a punk um so i'll I'll give him that much i don't think he wants to you know self-destruct yeah on his on his last lap um but i but i i am concerned not concerned it just kind of strikes me that i don't feel like the democrats have like a a long-term plan 
you know. I will uh, agree that I mean the I think that has been a a huge issue of the Democratic Party in general, right? Is like despite the amount of support that they may have overall for a lot of their legislation or their overall ideas at the voter level, there is not really a very cohesive unit at the, you know, congressional and or, you know, just national level, I think. Right. You know, uh, I think in some cases, especially probably in areas like Georgia, it's a little bit more organized thanks to people like Stacey Abrams. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that just in general, it seems like it's a, I mean, we talked about, you know, like uh, Black Lives Matter, right? Being this individual kind of pockets. And I think that's kind of what you end up with with the Democratic Party. And then like for a while, that's, I think that's kind of how the whole Hillary Clinton thing shook out previously you know as it was this power struggle to get you know to the top of the democratic party from all of these individual factions and because of whatever loyalties i think she had right previously established she was able to kind of position herself there but well that that goes back to this whole um and and i want to be careful how i say this i i understand the some of the ideological differences of the progressive wing of the party versus the uh, somewhat centrist or moderate uh, Democrats. Yeah. I don't understand, but I, I don't even know what their end game is sometimes, you know? Um, sure. Uh, I mean, I think in some cases it almost seems like it's just to poke the bear, right? Like to kind of be as progressive and radical as I can be. Right. It's like, you know, <clears throat> the whole canceling student debt. Right. Student that's loan debt. Terrible, right? That's a terrible thing. I, 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 yeah, I still haven't. I mean, it's like you have people who are upset that they're not canceling, just canceling all of it, right? You have people who are upset that they're only going to cancel, that they might only cancel 100,000. You have people who are upset that it might only be 50,000, right? Like, ultimately, you're going to end up, people are going to be pissed off somewhere. The key word is debt, first of all. Yeah. Right. That's the key word. It's debt. You incur that debt. I think if I'm being super honest, if you're a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt and you're not in a field that can actually help you pay that off, then you've got bigger problems. Right. Yes. Uh, I know like a few years back, this is when the boys graduated high school or yeah, this is when they graduated high school. I saw a, um, the graduating class of Carolina they did this expo or this interview with a girl that got like a dance degree from um, Carolina. And she was like $75,000 in debt. She got a job at a dance studio in, um, in Garner making mm-hmm. like 30, 30 grand. Yeah. I'm like that is just damn stupid. Like your parents should have told you this is not a thing. Um I mean, and you're not wrong. Look, I think ultimately (laughs) it shouldn't just be about, quote unquote, canceling it, right? Right. It should be, let's figure out a way that we can help these people, you know, restructure some of it, right? Into a more affordable type of loan that they can ultimately pay off, right? Let's look at predatory student loan practices, you know, and places that are, or or the for-profit universities, Right, you know that are freaking helping these people to rack up this ridiculous amount of debt, while also saddling them with a degree that ultimately isn't worth the paper that it's printed on. Um, right, you know, like I think those are the steps. Right, it's it's not about 
You're treating the symptom there. You're sitting there yeah. saying the, the, the problem is I've got too much debt. Okay, I understand that. And we can put something in place to help you to restructure that, right? Maybe it's not bankruptcy ultimately, but some form of student loan restructuring program. Boom. Okay, right. problem solved. Thank you, President Chris. So, so even if you go for, yeah, but even if it goes, the debt goes down like 12K or something reasonable, yeah. right? Um, it shouldn't be that. And and this is not, these are just my thoughts on it. Like, I don't have No, but it's like the, 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 you know, um, the canceling evictions, right? Okay. Yeah. You're treating the symptom while not addressing the root cause. Why are people getting evicted? Right. Because they don't have money. What if you gave them money? Instead of saying, no, you can't evict because it, like, we, we talked about it. What happens to the landlords, right? When all of their right. tenants say, oh, I can't pay. And now they can't pay. So now they're defaulting on their, <laughs> their loans, right? Like you're just Somebody's pushing the problem. <laughs> and I understand that, right? Like the landlord in most cases isn't, you know, some multi-million or billionaire. So in a lot of cases, right. the government doesn't give a shit. Well, it's that's why I worry about um, – no, I just ha always have concerns, you know, that it, it's not that I'm against – and I don't even like to use the word radical, right? Right. I think, I think a better word is like just – Extreme. unreasonable yeah unreasonable extreme <laughs> solutions to problems <laughs> i was being sarcastic and no, offering I, I, extreme I kinda, as a replacement for <laughs> radical i i mean i think they're kind of unreasonable demands sometimes like it's like yes a defund the police right yeah which we've already gone through didn't necessarily in most cases actually mean defund the police but i understand provide the right resources for people when they need it from the right places right. where they can get it from and not send police to solve everything is not as chantable a slogan, right? <laughs> it doesn't fit as well on a bumper sticker. Like, I mean, it's the black lives matter thing all over again, right? Yeah. And ultimately what you're getting down to is you've, you've come up with some saying that embodies your entire movement that then is very easily picked apart. And if you can't articulate a simple, like you should be able to articulate your plan. And, and I think that that's where I always, and it's not because I'm a boomer or whatever, like, you know, people want to say, but it's like, no, I hear you. And when I was young and I was super idealistic and I started having kids and I stopped being so idealistic and like, Hey, I've got to be a little bit more pragmatic about something that just can't assume that I'm going to go conquer the world. That's it's unrealistic. Um, well, I mean, I, not, sorry, go ahead. I'm not saying it's a, it, it's, I know better than you, but I'm saying like, I can't even agree on your solution if I can't understand it. And I, that's where we keep going to this endless cycle. And, and that's what the Democrats are going to have to struggle. They're going to struggle with that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they have, right? Like I think historically yeah. that's where, because a big chunk of their support comes from that demographic, right? The younger, like college age, did you freeze? You totally froze. We were doing so good. I had such a good point I was going to make. You froze. Oh, you're back. Are you back? Oh, you're back. Yeah. I, was like, <laughs> woo. I thought that was going to be have to be a whole thing. Um, and now I forgot what I was saying. No, you're saying a lot of their demographic is the young. Right. Uh, is that young college student, right? Like in a lot of right. cases, those are the groups that, but it, I think the, to your point, like, I mean, I remember when I was in high school and I had my history teacher, 
you either had to read uh, Atlas Shrugged or The Fountainhead. Like it was one one or the other Anne Rand book, right? Depending on whether or not, basically whether or not he thought you could get through the 1100 <laughs> pages in the month that you had to read it or the 600 and some odd pages that The Fountainhead <laughs> is. But I remember coming out of that and like you get this, you know, idealistic view of the way things like, you know, well, why is it like this? And I, you know, can't, why can't we just flip the switch and make everything, you know, it's like the, the minimum wage. Why don't we just immediately make the minimum wage $15 an hour? We can't wait, you know, five years. And it's like, because what does that do to your economy? Oh, it makes it go (laughs) like guys, you know, and it's almost this like refusal to acknowledge you know, the fact that there can be small victories, you know, like it doesn't always have to be the extreme. Right. Right. Like I keep going back on the minimum wage thing and I don't fundamentally see anything wrong with it, but I do see something wrong with employers not paying their employees a fair wage. You know, now I'm also the same guy that says, well, if it's my company, you can't force me to give my employees ownership of the company that should be a choice um i think that's stupid that i don't know where yeah. that and that's becoming a you know right but that's you know it, it, jesus <laughs> that's just, i mean it's like it, it, right the underlying idea behind you know the principles of like socialism right right that everybody gets what they need but not more and you know it's for the good of all is, is a great idea until you realize that humans are ultimately very flawed individuals and even a couple of bad apples are going to ultimately ruin, it. ruin the whole system, <laughs> right? I mean, like, it happens every single time. So that's, that's you know, this idea that you can just, for again, that you force somebody, you know? I It, right, I, I think, like, to... Maybe weird analogy, but like the NFL, right? And their whole the Rooney rule, right? Right. It's all I mean, and it was all, lately, right? I think we went a whole cycle without a black head coach being hired. Yeah. I mean, like we had a, a minority minority head coach because Robert Sala in New York uh is a, is Muslim, but it's just I don't know. Um it seems like they, you know, they, and I mean, the only reason they did anything with the Rooney rule is because Johnny Cochran said he was going to sue him. Well, the thing <laughs> is like you, you there's the, the hard facts of life are that there is systematic racism. I, but I also don't think you go to the other extreme and try to like enforce rules that don't, necessarily work out right but you should hire the most qualified person for any job and i'm glad that they're you know like the nfl um the first woman officiating it at a game and every time they kept mentioning that she was making history i kept asking myself why is that history like what what prevented this from being the norm yeah many many years ago um like you'll see like in, in soccer, a lot, especially for like a woman's team, you'll see a male coach, uh, but you never are you. I don't. Nope. I can't think of a professional uh, soccer team where there's a, 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 a woman coach. And it keeps making me think to myself. All right, so there's a good argument for these things, but how we address them is that 
I don't, I don't know if we address them the right way. And what, because when that change, whatever it is happens, everybody loses their crap. Oh, she's making history, but it's not that she wasn't qualified. And it's not like she's the only person that's qualified to do that job. Right. So why is this a history making it, moment? And I think ultimately it is almost more of an acknowledgement of we're finally at this point, right? Where we have overcome all of these ridiculous obstacles that have been in the way that have prevented this from there, happening. But there prior are to they're now. artificial. They are. are. They are absolutely. But they're they're artificial and have ultimately kind of been put in place by either the perception. I mean, it's it's this whole right. The fans don't want to see players kneeling for the flag, right? Okay, some fans might care about that, but the vast majority of them obviously don't give a shit since they're still yeah. watching. Yeah, you know, like I mean, life. It's this whole, you know, but I think, right, it, it comes back to this whole, like, the hiring bias, right? The bias that we have individually and doing, I mean, just recognizing it and acknowledging, you know, in the NFL, right? It makes sense that when your entire ownership is essentially white male, that they are going to feel most comfortable hiring right. other white men for that head coaching role. Like, that's just, that's how that bias works. It may not even be conscious in all cases, right? But that's... Yeah, that's true. I, I agree 100%. Like, I, I admit that, um, but I'm super aware of that. Like, right. I don't I don't want my team to not just look like me, but to think like me. Exactly. Like, I don't need to talk to me every day. And I think <laughs> that there that is, right, because you are somebody who is comfortable being uncomfortable right right you are somebody who is okay challenging yourself and the beliefs that you may have about you know that like if i'm you know i'm imagining if you're a you know an owner of a football team and you get a, a, a football coach that comes in you know and you're interviewing him and he's got a completely different philosophy right to how approach how you approach the game but you start listening and you're like okay, this actually makes a lot of sense. Or maybe you've been trying it your way for so long, you're like, I got to give somebody else a shot, right? Well, yeah, but you have to ask yourself the simple question. Why are you hiring somebody right now? Because something's broken, right? Right. So at the end of the day, you should just want it to be fixed. And, and yeah. obviously your influence and like the way you see things, it's still broke. As a leader, you should be able to identify that I'm hiring somebody because something's not working. Or we're not able to get this to this next level of performance. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to be right. So that's where for me, it's like, it's, it's so much, well, it's simple for me because I've, I've also been the, I've also thought and believed the other way where my way has got to be the way that we implement everything. Yep. So I realized, well, that only gets me so far. <laughs> well, and I think if I recall, you had a moment where somebody kind of pointed that out to you, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. somebody that you trusted and looked up to yeah. and and that helped to change your perspective on that. Yeah. And, you know, like I come back to the part of the conversation I think we were having a couple of weeks ago around, you know, the just this re recent kind of ridiculous political bias and everything and the people buying into the crap on the Internet, but not listening to their friends and family. Like, I mean, you've got people that care about you and yet you're so focused on this 
idea. You know, that it's like you shut out everything else. Can I, so I've seen a couple of interviews with people that um, used to be like hardcore QAnon supporters. Sure. And there's something that's super base about human psychology. Like we go for comfort. Yeah. There, there are two motivating things that, or there's three, uh, but one is a, is a child of the other. We, we go for comfort because of fear and our fear makes us, makes us selfish. And in order not to feel uncomfortable, so these it's like this endless cycle. Like the minute people get uncomfortable with like what you say to them, how you say it, blah, 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 or something that they haven't considered to be factual or they don't want to believe it, you've just changed the whole dynamic of the conversation. Yeah. And then being afraid is got to be the most crippling emotion that people have it is and one of the first reactions of fear is being selfish and you're going to react just to you know again keep your comfort and i and i'm seeing like when you mentioned that the other day or last week i was like i think that's what it is it's just it's when you talk to enough people you start to notice the same trend everybody's the same yeah. at their at their core people are selfish and it's okay but is their selfishness driven out of fear? If so, be careful, right? Um, and always remember, people like and they they crave comfort. People don't want to be uncomfortable. Yeah. It's just not in our DNA. No, I mean, we are, yeah, inherently creatures of comfort. Like, yeah. we seek that comfort. And it is, you know, I think ultimately, like, it is one of those things that in a lot of cases separates the ultra-successful you know, from kind of everybody else is that you have this ability to kind of overcome that fear and to meet it with confidence or, right. you know, even if it's cockiness in, in some cases, right? I right. mean, you like, even like a, you know, a Patrick Mahomes who is incredibly talented, like there's a level of just like confidence, Steph Curry, you know, like, I mean, the shimmy shakes and all that stuff. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, you know, like, it made me dislike him at first because I'm kind of like, you know, who the is this guy? But, but that's that's you irrational, kinda, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is. I mean, because then you look at me like, oh, he's that. That's who they. That's who he is. He's the guy that's yeah. that's dribbling down the court and is like, oh, I'm 50 feet from the basket. I can make that. No yeah. problem. <laughs> so not a second thought. Like speaking of like, I mean, dude, I know that you don't want to. Okay. Real quick, because I had a thought just on the selfishness okay. piece that I wanted to touch on before we, if we, because sure. it sounded like we were maybe moving on to a different topic, um, or just so I don't forget, like I normally do. <laughs> but it you, ultimately, you think about right when people are met with fear, what are the two reactions that we always describe: fight or flight? Right. And both of those things are inherently selfish, right? Like even fighting is selfish because you are fighting against something for self-preservation. Right. And flight, like you're running away to save yourself. Every, every, there's no, like, I don't think that um, human psychology is overly complex. I think we try to make it, you know, like Freud and these guys have got us convinced that there's (laughs) all of these, you know, like ridiculous machinations that go on. And I do understand that, like, you know, traumas and, sure. and, you know, emotional scars and those things like, yes, 
a big part of it is is learning how to live with that, right? Like learning it's, how to kind of adjust your reaction. It's acceptance, yeah. yeah. Right. If you, it's moving like, through the stages of grief. Is like, yeah. it's a big part of it, and yeah. and in a lot of cases, people aren't given the opportunity to do that, right? And I think that, or it, I think it makes them uncomfortable. That right? too, absolutely. I mean, I, especially I when you've known that discomfort. Right. I mean, shit. When you know that discomfort for so long, it becomes comfortable, right? I mean, it's why some people have such a hard time leaving abusive relationships is because right. ultimately that's still some level of security and safety that they feel in that relationship. Yeah. I, I just, you know, I don't think again, my, my thought is human behavior is not very complex. It's just not. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're not, we're, we're created in a very complex manner, but, we do the same behaviors th- throughout generations. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason like, that the saying goes, history repeats itself, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, ultimately we as humans are bound to repeat the same pattern. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things where I think you find in, in kind of the magic of life that there are these repeating patterns. And I yeah. think to some degree, even human behavior, you know, not that it can be predicted, but that it does follow ultimately a, a pretty similar. I mean, it's very predictable. Well, a hundred years ago, <laughs> we were literally going through the exact same thing in this country, right? Like, right. That's it's very- it's almost creepy that it's like to the you know a century to the day sort of deal where it's, but yeah, it's it's it is predictable, and it's because I think there's an there's never enough people to kind of see something all the way through. Um, you'll get glimpses of hope like a Gandhi or a uh, mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, you'll get glimpses, but our attention span is like maybe a year or two on big issues. Um, That's, I mean, (laughs) is it even that now? (laughs) Well, think, I mean, but think about the, uh, the, even the progressive part of the democratic party and even the, um, the, the fringe groups of the Republican party, you look at all those, like iterations of the same philosophy that they're either not realistic or they're destructive. Sure. And, and that's either you can enter, you can change those with either group. They don't work because there's still more reasonable people than there are the extreme of, of either side of that argument. But then and why do we find ourselves where we are now? Like, are we just, are we in one of those like roller coaster moments and we're kind of at the extreme and we're move, trying to move back down towards the, the median? Like, is that just kind of where we find ourselves in this cycle or? I think it's because, um, I, I think people are just inundated with inputs and they just don't know really how to, um, like take a step back. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's a lot of it. It, it. When you look at uh, social media, you look at how we have access to so much stuff. And if you can't properly filter it out, or if you don't know when enough's enough, you just keep taking in more inputs. Well, I think about it. I mean, we, we talk a lot, right, about not you and I, but just humans in general, but our brains being a lot like computers, right? And right. what happens when you try putting too much information into a computer that isn't capable of processing that? I mean, right. any sort of, you know, like uh, big data, number crunching sort of thing, you have to have all of these, 
you know, data banks of cloud computing, you know, processors yeah. that you can tap into in order to process all of this information. If you tried running it on your home laptop, it would just go. <laughs> and I I'm think good. in a lot of cases, that's kind of where our brain goes. Right. And it's not, it doesn't, we don't get to full shutdown, but it's like, we start simply taking in the information that we can consume or that already matches with the information that's in our head. Right. Yes. So that's where all of this conspiracy theory stuff starts kind of building because when it's tied to the things that we already believe, right, or that may have some semblance in truth, then it right. starts building into the snowball effect of, you know, I'm only listening to this. I'm going further give down me more. the rabbit give, hole. And give me more. Give me more. And then and you I, have YouTube's algorithms that ultimately help to feed you all of that absolutely batshit crazy shit. Well, I don't know if I, I'm not at a point where I want to blame technology yet no. because I think that um, it's like listening to Marjorie Taylor Greene. She said she was allowed to believe those things. I'm like, when I heard that, I'm like, no, and nobody really jumped onto that. It's like, wait a minute. What do you mean you were allowed to believe that? Like you chose to believe that and, and you're, <laughs> you can't say that you were allowed to believe it. You chose to believe it. And that's where we often, we can't disassociate ourselves from our, our, our choices because it's convenient or politically expedient for, <laughs> for some people. Um, and I, that's where I think that, again, human behavior is at a point where it's becoming predictable. If you, if you keep throwing in the same inputs and people react the same way every time, and, and history is a very good teacher, there's nothing different about what we're experiencing with uh, the former president versus what was experienced in the you know, 50s and 60s when you had even crazier ideas with less guardrails to prevent the country from going, you know, off the, off the ledge. And it, Cause if that were true, we wouldn't have had Jim Crow laws. We wouldn't have to, you know, deal with segregation. So it's just a matter of until we decide that enough really is enough. And we stop listening to the loud, smaller groups, we're going to keep having the same problem, but understand there's always more reasonable people than there are, the the totality of the extreme groups yeah i mean i i i guess it's you know like i understand that and at the same time i'm wondering you know because i mean we like there's a lot of talk about whether or not this is you know a democracy or a republic or a democratic republic or whatever it may be. Right. And ultimately we have elected officials. Um, potato, potato. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of cases, that's exactly what it is. It's just a matter of semantics. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, because I, you know, I'm certainly not one of those people that thinks there needs to be a thought police. Right. And it's not, a, it's not a matter of that, but yeah, right. like ultimately, it's not that you can't think these things, but that there are consequences for believing in this type of absurdity, ultimately, you know, like, but, but is there though, right? Well, okay. Like, there's uh, uh, right. I think for a lot of people, there's the belief that there should be, <laughs> right. you know, whether or not there ultimately is, I think is what we're, what we, where we currently find ourselves. This is kind of a huge question about that in a, in a lot of ways, right? But, but ask yourself this question. It, it took a while for this country to decide that uh, segregated bathrooms was wrong. Yes. 
So it's nothing really new. It's just a different level or it's just a different variation of the same problem. Uh, yeah, it's, you're absolutely right. You know, I mean, there ultimately there were people just like me back in the 50s and 60s who sat here and said, you know, this is ridiculous that there are people who feel this way. Right. Right. And that, that you know, this stuff needs to be changed and we need to, to move forward. And it's absolutely asinine that we're even having to have this conversation. There, there's something I've, I've kind of been kind of, uh, it's been an evolving thought. Um, there is a sim- simplistic like behavior that we have as human beings. Like we actually not just gravitate to comfort, but we gravitate to binary decisions. Like at the drop of a dime, like when you take away all the extra stuff, we will gravitate, gravitate to a yes or no, right or wrong, good versus evil pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and I think that's actually a saving grace of humanity, right? When you stop having, when you're stop, As long as you can make that distinction correctly, <laughs> more often than not. So, so here's my, my two uh, supporting uh, thoughts on that. I happened to see the, uh, I guess in 2018, the Proud Boys released their uh, internal documents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And nothing was uh, uh, redacted from it. Well, properly, they actually had a rule in there that said you can't uh, sleep with another member's girlfriend, wife, partner, or boyfriend. Right. Mm-hmm. So we could probably all conclude there's something off about that group. Yeah, <laughs> but they have to even like regulate themselves to binary choices. Like in order to keep some type of uh, calm in this group, we have to have some bylaws that we that we must follow, and that was one of their bylaws. So I don't know how often it was happening, but it was happening enough to where they had to like say we have to make this a binary choice. If you're going to be a part of this group, you can't do this action. Um, the second point I would make is uh, Ted Cruz. And, and his analogies and he, he botched them all about like superhero movies. And he was saying that the, Oh yeah. The environmentalists. Yeah. I'm like, all right. So, and we can all agree that Ted Cruz has got some, uh, some flaws. Yeah. Like that beard. Yeah. And he's always wearing <laughs> that same blue suit. Now it's really driving me crazy. Seriously, dude, get another suit. I think that might be <laughs> the only one that fits him right now. <laughs> so, he tried to again compare something in a binary choice right and it was just like i'm starting to see a trend that when even when we can't explain something or we have a fundamental and i don't think his differences with democrats are are really fundamental i think they're just about uh, uh public opinion sure but he made it a binary decision you know you'll notice the left you know, they have this thing with environmentalists. And if you're, if you stand for this, you're the villain and blah, blah. And I'm Except like, that the most, in most of the movies, the environmentalists were the villains. Were the villains. Right. They and I'm like, the ones who were trying to extinguish humanity <laughs> or half of them. Yeah. So it's just, I'm finding it like if you start to read through or read between the lines and a lot of things that people say, you can start to figure out they're just, you could probably predict what's going to happen next. Well, and it's not like this 
you know, belief ultimately that we are not good for the planet in our current form is really that absurd or anything new. Right. I mean, it's not a new concept. This is sure. You know, like it's in a lot of movies now, but if you go back you know, I mean, look at freaking Terminator, right? Like that whole thing, like humans create their own destruction yet again. Solving green. That's another book. Yeah. That everybody, that everybody's like, oh, like, well, y- you can tear that apart however you want. Uh, or people that always uh, quote, was it um, Orson Animal, Welles? Yeah, Orson Welles, so like 1984 and uh, Animal Farm are the two really yeah. popular ones that they like to quote. Well, usually they, miss they the Yeah, they miss the whole point. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, I don't know. I just, I find it fascinating, but I think the antidote to that is actually having better conversations. Yeah, um, I mean, I agree. Yeah. It's just like, all right, well, and it's not that you have to be confrontational with people. It's just that you have to actually just have the conversation. Well, and that's, you know, I, yeah, you do ultimately have to have the conversation because when you, when you resort to confrontation is where, I mean, again, it's like you start to kind of lose the ability to reach people at that same level. Like when you're screaming at somebody, they're not hearing what you're saying. They're right. just hearing the fact that you're screaming at them. I I had a, I was having a conversation last night with somebody and I've known him for like a long time and um, very similar personality. So that prop, I mean, that could go off the, off the ledge real quick. And you know what I did that and I've done it before, but I just really noticed it. I did it last night. I said, look, if what you're saying is this, then I agree with you. We are saying pretty much the same thing. And one thing I appreciate about you is blah. Right. But if you're saying this, I agree and I concede. And I was like, Oh, I really, I literally like I stepped out of the conversation because we weren't arguing, but it was just like, yeah, if we keep going, we'll be like, this will be another 30, 45 minutes. Yeah. And I just have to acknowledge the fact that, yeah, okay. And then it became a question of, and I actually made a statement like, one thing I appreciate about you is, is that you take certain risks that I don't take. And he actually rebutted that by saying, you never take risks. I said, no, I do take risks, but I always think about like, do I have an exit strategy? Right. You take calculated risks. Yes. <laughs> I just don't go, oh, that looks cool. I can do it and just right. go do it. That's Every crazy. Every risk is not the same. <laughs> yeah. So I always think, and I think about it in a very binary state. Yes, I can do this, but do I have a plan B? How do I escape? Uh, because in business or anything, and I've just learned that it's not always smooth sailing. You can't you know? paint yourself into a corner. You yeah. know, like, I mean, that's not that's just not intelligent right leaving yourself with absolutely no out in general is not a very good practice i mean it's something that you know like was taught to me in driver's ed yeah right like (laughs) when you're on the road you should always understand where your exit points are right if the car in front of you slams on its brakes or you know plows into you know a light pole or something where are you where can you go right and and it's one of those things where being able to kind of constantly process all of that information and being able to make good decisions are what make people better drivers. And one thing I'm actually noticing about all of my closest friends, you're all like freaking eternal optimists. And I am not. <laughs> so it's like, and I'm starting to notice, I'm like, man, I, like everybody I'm really close to, they're super optimistic. And I'm always the probably more reserved and cautious one. 
or I agree with what they're saying, but I also have, I'm thinking about plan B, C and D at the same time. Yeah. And I can, but I must enjoy that, that conflict because most I've noticed most of my closest friends are that they have the same freaking qualities. Yeah. I think, I think you do again. Like I think to some degree, you know, it's, it's a matter of you being comfortable in discomfort, right? Uh, like right. you don't mind being uncomfortable. And so being around people that don't see things the exact same way as you doesn't bother you as much as it does some other people. Right. Right. Um, or I'm a glutton for punishment because it always that. makes, it, <laughs> I always had to be thinking, these guys are in their freaking unicorns and rainbows, man. This really pisses me off. Look, it's all going to work out in the end. <laughs> so I don't know why you're so worried about it. Because life, damn it. Everything's um, going to be fine. We don't need a plan B. <laughs> Let's just well, put yeah. all our eggs in this basket. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. No. If there is a zombie apocalypse, I, I know that most of my closest friends may not make it. May <laughs> not like... make it. <laughs> Sports. I want to talk about the Super Bowl. Yeah. Because I, I just want to say I'm not a New England fan. <laughs> first of all. Um, but I thought it was it was cool to see that Tom Brady, 43 years old, has won his seventh Super Bowl. Did that make you feel like you can still do things too? Actually, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> it, it gets worse, man. I was uh, reading this, uh, like I had this, I think it's men's journal subscription or something like that. I don't know. And I was reading an article about um, uh, Ryan, um, gosh, Reynolds? Ryan Reynolds. He's 44. Yeah. He's in impeccable shape. Yeah. And I'm like, I got to step up my game. Okay, but like... So, I know, he's got a trainer, right, blah, blah, blah. exactly. Like, but that's his can, job is to look good. No, but when I say that, I don't mean like I've got to be in the same physical shape yeah. as this person, but it means that it's attainable, right? So there's really no excuse. No, I disagree. I, I look, I understand. Okay, I understand from, you can, from you can an age shape. perspective. Yes, it is physically possible for you to attain that. Yes, uh, that I totally understand, but or I just I still shape. think that it is. Yeah, I mean, like I just I don't know. I I you know would like to be in better shape, and I've been doing certain things to try and push myself in that direction. Right. Um, but it's it's attainable. Yeah, I guess I that's, just like that's the point. Okay. Okay. No ex- yeah. Okay. I, I, I guess I didn't realize that you felt like your age was the thing that was holding you back from that. No, I just, it, it just, it motivates me. Right. Because when I was younger, it was about, you know, being in tip top shape, being faster. And then eventually as you get older, it goes away. Like my dad had like knee surgeries and yeah. stuff like that. And it's like, man, I don't want to go out like that and, and feel like I can't maintain. Right. Sure. So for me, it's always been about, I want to stay in the best shape possible, no matter what age, right? So my my fifty plus benchmark is like Will Smith and Tom Cruise. Like literally every movie Tom Cruise is in, he runs. I don't know where he's going, but he's running somewhere. Usually up a ladder uh, so he can get into the shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, watching Brady play that game was. Did you see the chart? 
of his dropbacks in shotgun compared to Patrick Mahomes. The Doesn't paths matter. that they took. It's, it's he literally matter. just stood in the pocket the entire game. <laughs> it's a, Look, I'm not. I, le- I, you're I'm not, not wrong. Letting, I understand. I'm not letting anybody take. I mean, that was no. A, it was a good game. I still don't think that. He, I mean. I feel like the MVP was such a lifetime achievement award to give it to him <laughs> because, I mean, the f- defense stopped Patrick Mahomes from scoring a touchdown for four Remember? straight quarters. Yeah. Like, Remember what I, I said Somebody about on that guys? defense needed to win MVP, in my opinion. But If anybody should have won the MVP, it should have been the D.C., right? If yeah, if- Todd Bowles. But you can't yeah, give so it to a coach. <laughs> my, point, my point being is they watched enough tape on him. Yes. He plays the same way every game. Yes. So and that's that's always been the then I blame the OC for not saying, okay, we've got to do something different. That was a yeah. terrible yeah. Well, okay. And can we also take a moment to you know just enjoy the Actually, fact that now Kelsey. it's all Eric the enemy's fault? Now he's okay. calling plays. Now we want to blame him, and it's not Andy Reid. Andy Reid must have let An- you know Eric Bieniemy run this one because he was mad about everything that everybody was saying about him. That's why they played so terrible. Now Kelsey, all right, I will give Kelsey his props, and I, I actually, when I play Madden and Kelsey's there, yeah. he's a pain in my neck. He is, um, dude's a beast. But, yeah, and I, I'm not gonna lie. So I won know, multiple Ke- fantasy football championships on the back of Travis Kelsey. <laughs> He put my team on his back. <laughs> I, I I want nothing to do with him, like uh, yeah. in a Madden perspective. But I when I really watch him play the game, he's brilliant. Yeah. Um, they had a lot of good stuff going on. It's just that they couldn't they couldn't stop playing the game the same way. No, you know there was um, no there was no sense of. There was no adjustment. No, there was the closest they came to adjustment was coming out of the first of the second half when they ran the ball more on. They had four running plays in the first half. But you know what? At like you know at what? one point when when you've gone multiple series without moving the ball, you would think you'd sit there and go, "Okay, guys, our original game plan has fallen flat on its face." During this next defensive series, we got to come up with something. Like if I'm Andy Reid, that's where I'm going to Eric Bieniemy in the passing game and the running game coordinator and saying like, guys, what else do we have? Because this isn't it. We cannot wait until halftime to make an adjustment. Well, they where they missed, I think, was um, I will put this squarely in my homes. Like he was, yes, he can throw from like five different angles, pretty you know, pretty sharp. Yeah, but. Where he he would always take a step up into the pass rush. I mean, the rush passers, pass pass rushers, pass rushers, like verbal typos today. Um, and I think that's that's was kind of messing up his release and his vision. Like I called the pick, so the text I sent you on the pick, I'd already been yelling pick because I knew he was going to get a pick. Yeah, and it's like he kept doing the same thing. So he didn't have to step up. He had another second, and he also had like – he would always have like one receiver open. And it would have been for three or four yards, but you could have walked up the field. Yep. Um, yeah, he kept looking for the home run play. Yeah. You know, like and, I think after the first couple of series and when they got down, he started panicking. And I don't think he panicked. I think he was just trying to force it. 
he was really trying he was forcing the ball out see but i feel like that was a result of him panicking <sighs> but no I, I so here's why i don't think he was panicking because even when he um he took those sacks he didn't like he was able to bring his arm back in right yeah. so he wasn't like trying to he just didn't look comfortable back there. Yeah. And I understand the offensive line was basically a joke. I mean, the same guy that almost had, got Cam Newton killed in the Super Bowl against the the they Broncos. Yeah, they had two or three like uh, subs in. Yeah, which which probably okay. Yeah, doesn't help. I, I understand help. that, but yeah. that's where you've got as a game plan, right? You're going against one is what is ultimately the uh, one of the best front fours that you. I mean, Jesus. probably the when, best front four you, you face When all you season. look at the roster. Of Tampa Bay, yeah, you've got it's Air ridiculous. Paul. You've got, I mean, you've got Vita guys, Bea, yeah, who, you've got who guys they that, had lining a three hundred plus pound geez. defensive tackle. They had lining up across from Mike Remmers because Mike Remmers was such a freaking joke at yeah. left tackle. I yeah. mean, they would have been better off putting Travis Kelsey over there and letting him block and not go out and run pass plays than having Mike Remmers. I'm sorry, like it's just I don't understand where they thought that this was ever going to work. And especially when the, when the when the Bucks came out and were literally just like daring them. Like we are going to keep everything in front of us. We are going to double team Kelsey and uh Hill basically all the time and you've got to figure out how you're going to beat us otherwise. And yeah. they couldn't do it. For four and quarters they, they couldn't do it. And they cheated their linebackers like 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 a boss, man. I was like, yeah, you guys are you guys are screwed. There's no getting out of this. Yeah. And even forcing Kel- forcing Kelsey to drop the ball, I'm like, there's no, you're not coming out of this. Okay. Oh. Um, the the try on fourth down at the end zone that um that Tampa Bay didn't get that the Tampa Bay, they actually got it. When I looked at I looked at that like probably two or three times because I was watching it live, and then I was like, I think they got it. they got it. I mean, it was close, but it wasn't. I didn't see anything in the replay that let that had me feeling like. I mean, look, I think I was as astonished as anybody, considering that uh, Kansas City, I think, had the worst goal line defense of anybody in the NFL this season. That they got a fourth down stop there. Uh, ultimately, it didn't really matter because yeah. they ended up shanking that punt. Uh, you know, Brady threw the pick that Matthew got and there was the questionable holding call. Right. Um, the holding call was, it, it was kind of a high hold. It wasn't, it was, I mean, it was, it was a call that you can make. And I think if Tom Brady had actually thrown the ball at that receiver, you do make it. Right. But I think ultimately when you see that the ball got picked off, you kind of go, well, was that got, really a hold or he got held and it changed his direction, but he wasn't. Yeah. I don't know. So, I'm not even like I, as a state fan. I'm not one of those people that wants to get into <laughs> officiating. Um, I have look. I know that referees don't go into games Bi- unbiased. Yeah, but I also know that they no. What I mean is, I know that I know for a fact that referees don't go into games trying to steer the game towards one team or the other. I literally, I I believe, and especially at the NFL level that there is a, a legitimate attempt, right, to correctly officiate the game 
in every yeah. instance. I don't think that they go out there and try to blow calls on purpose. I don't think that they try to throw ticky tack. You know, I understand that. Yeah, if you're throwing up, you know, a hail mary at the end of the game, you're probably not going to get a pass interference call. Right. But you know what? You shouldn't be having to rely on a freaking hail mary at the end of the game to win in the first place. I I don't. Yeah, you're not wrong. I I just think that I really believe that when you when it comes down to it and you look at uh tampa's last three or four games mm-hmm. they were ready to play in the super bowl yes they i think destroy Kate- i mean not not even destroyed but i mean defensively yeah right they played rogers the week before uh they played breeze and who was the other one no that was it right yeah because it's just the three games no because they weren't number one in the division they weren't so I, i'm telling i think that uh just I think KC was comfortable being KC at in some levels. I think when they realized that it was going to be a different game was midway through the second. And that's when it started to get out of hand. Yeah. I was like, you guys are this is going to get hard. If you don't score before the half. And they and they didn't, you know? Yeah. Like that or what they got the field goal. Yeah. And then but then Brady they because of Andy Reid's questionable time management, Jeez. <laughs> clock management. You give Tom Brady 55 seconds. Nope. And I don't one... care what you're thinking. <laughs> On note when you see that it's second it's more than 40 it's seconds. Second and 9. Yeah. And they aren't rushing to the line to get another playoff. You go, "I'm happy being down 8." No. Right. You know what? Like I'm lucky being down 8 as awful as we have played thus far. On what planet, as as shitty as your offense has been to that point, and your defense hasn't played great either. You've already given up two touchdowns. Dude, you give Tom Brady 55 seconds and one timeout, you're just asking for him to score on you. And that's exactly what he did. And I was like, okay, that's just wrong. And with I think it was 14 seconds to go, I believe at the when they oh when they yeah. got the the pass interference in the end zone yeah yeah yep I'm like yeah they yeah. moved it to the one I'm like everything about that was wrong <laughs> like <Yeah. you> just, <laughs> everything about that was wrong I mean that's I mean look ultimately that's what it boils down to is that Tampa Bay was clearly the better team that night you know on both sides yeah I think they played the better game and yeah there were some questionable calls like there are in almost every game you know that you're going to watch but ultimately i don't think that those calls really would have impacted the outcome i mean the game probably would have been like 21 to 9 as opposed to 31 to 9 right like i think that's what we're looking at here it's not it's it's just amazing like when you look at like a tom oh even breeze and like all the older quarterbacks right there is a case to be made for the experience. Um, yeah, there is a there is a as strong... long as the arm strength is still there. That's yeah. you have to have a certain level, right? I mean, even Peyton Manning, then when he won with the Broncos, right? Like that was probably the very minimal amount of arm strength that Peyton yeah. Manning needed in order to go win a Super Bowl. Because you don't have to depend on like, well, you think about it, like the Gronk catches. I'm like, first yeah. of all. You can't stop that guy. I don't know what you do to stop him from running through you. Nope. Um, I And I'll be honest. I don't know if I would have been pulling for Brady if he was in New England, but I think the Tampa Bay story is a good story. 
There uh-huh. there are elements about Tampa Bay and them winning the Super Bowl that I really like. And then you have Tom Brady, which basically erases all of it for me. So Well, when you when you say that we're gonna we're gonna we're ready to move on from Tom Brady. Like, and I know that was a conversation, but we have to get ready, see what we're doing in two or three years without Tom Brady. And you bring in a Cam Newton, and you're already done with this guy. Mm-hmm. New England made the wrong call. They should have kept Tom Brady. Yes. Uh, brought somebody in, and maybe not a first-round pick, but somebody they can actually work with for like two more years. And then they're in a good, a better position. Yeah, I mean, you already unloaded Jimmy G, who you knew. I mean, Bill Belichick obviously did not feel like he was the answer, or he would have kept him, right? Like, but, but Bill why Belichick Cam wasn't. Gonna, well, I mean, that's my that's my point. That's a big gamble. Well, okay, so I think a couple of things. One, I do think that there's an element of Bill Belichick that he does think he's a little smarter than everybody else, and I think he saw an opportunity with a very inexpensive quarterback, which he hasn't had in a long time, thinking that somehow that would give him the opportunity to build the team around Cam. But that was what never materialized, was you didn't support him with the types of weapons, both offensively and defensively, that that he needs to be supported with. Like, Tom, I I mean, yeah, I guess that's the thing I wonder, though, is like if Tom Brady's back in New England... Does it change significantly the way that they go about their offseason? Does you know like last year? Does yes, it-, it does. It may, it takes all that away, and then you you bring somebody in, maybe like third round court, a QB pick, uh, because they didn't really have crap on, except for Jimmy G. I mean that that was well, but they had already offloaded him to San yeah, Francisco. That's, that's my point. Like they had nothing there to build around. Right. right. You're not gonna you're not gonna bring Cam to sit on the bench. You could uh, you could shift Jacoby Brissett. Or not Jacoby Brissett, but uh, Jacoby Myers over from wide receiver, you know, because he came to oh. NC State as a uh, as a quarterback recruit. Yeah, so I knew where that was going. <laughs> I was like, but that doesn't make sense. And now, why would you make a wide receiver <laughs> play quarterback? Yeah. Well, I don't know if you're Denver and you, everybody's got COVID, so like, Ooh. Uh, Ooh. so. I don't know. I, I I thought it was a good Super Bowl. Um, I didn't. And- I really didn't enjoy it at all. And it's not just because Tom Brady was winning. Like, if the f- score had been flipped and Kansas City had done that to Tampa Bay, I would have said the exact same thing. Not a good Super Bowl. Do you, I, uh, like the Seahawks-Broncos Super Bowl? Not a good Super Bowl. But here's, all right, here's where that I, – I would say it's different. I, I would say that you have – it proves – well, number one, I enjoyed it because it proves my point. Right, all these breakout quarterbacks, everybody gets all hyped about. Yeah, the old white guy can still do it better, and you are all about supporting the old white guy. (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry, but you walked right into that one, (laughs) and that was. I'm. I don't. I don't have anything to say to that crap yet. (laughs) because <laughs> you know that crap ain't true because <laughs> that black dc shut him down though that's that's my point uh, yes like if you spend enough time watching for the tendencies especially at the qb position especially with some you know somebody with legs that's yeah. it's a non-starter it is i mean look at um, what happened to russell wilson this year yeah right it, yeah it i felt bad for russell accepting the war there and sitting in the uh booth with uh 
Yeah, um, with Goodell and then well, Goodell. I was like, man, it's gotta suck. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm sure. Like Russell Wilson is the type of competitor that that was not a fun, you know, experience, yeah. but I would have called him sick. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I say, well, I mean, I, I'll tell you this much: I would have said I'll accept it from home. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I don't think I would, but I do also understand that that is a, a huge deal for the NFL. Um, and I mean, it is, you know, like all right, it's not, it's not winning the Super Bowl, right? But right, uh, I'm sure for Russ, it meant a lot. Um, you know, because he does has done a lot of work, you know, charity wise and especially yeah. with the children's hospital there in um, Seattle. So it's, I mean, mad respect, but yeah. it's just kind of like, but, but I'm with you that, I mean, it's kind of, you know, um, it's like seeing your, your girl out with another guy, right? Yeah. It's, it's like salt wound. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there you are watching Tom Brady go win another Super Bowl, uh, And your offensive line looks worse than Kansas city's. That's, there's yeah i'm but sure I, you heard about that today right no i i've been actually getting into the rabbit hole of what uh denver is going to do at the qb position oh interesting what are the prospects there and i swear on my right toe not looking if, good i guess you so, should go get sam darnold man shut up uh, <laughs> so the Deshaun talks were stressful uh and it, it somehow leaked, which was bad, right? And I, I do believe that Drew Locke can be the guy. I'd If it were me and uh, Mr. Elway, I know you're not listening, and I can't remember the name of the new GM, um, but I hear he's got a lot of talent. I would rather sit back and let Locke get comfortable like, like he did this season, have a full offseason, hopefully, you know, provided vaccines work, and then let him, you know, let him show what he can do. Um, you've got Philip Lindsay coming back strong. You've got Bradley Chubb back in the, because uh, I heard he had a, like a late season injury, which uh, it sucks. Um, Von Miller, hopefully he's not, you know, dealing with too many personal problems, which I don't want to hear about ever again, Twitter. Thank you. Like, I don't need to hear about, I don't want to know about these people's personal lives. Um <laughs> So <laughs> stop telling me, but I think drew Locke can be the guy he's got an arm. He's got the mobility he needs right now. And he's only going to learn the game, but he's going to need some more. He's going to need some more touches of the ball to, to feel, you know, to get a good feel on that. So that's, that's my only hope on that. Um, and I don't see anybody out there that I want. You don't want like, Deshaun Watson. No, why? I don't because I, because when things were clicking for Denver, it's because it's a balanced offense, and they were getting to that point. Um, you don't think Deshaun the... Watson can lead a balanced offense? I, I don't think he's the right player for – I don't think he's the right QB for Denver, not their style of play, uh, if I'm being honest. Like, I, I don't think that – I need somebody that can <sighs> – this is going to be hard to say. Yeah. I don't need every quarterback in the NFL to be mobile, basically. Because that only gets you, that only gets you a season and a half, basically, and then you end up like freaking uh, like uh, Mahomes with turf toe, and people shut you down, and, and it's a different game. Or uh, even uh, Lamar, where people shut him down. It's it's inevitable. Like as people start to watch tapes on these breakout quarterbacks, it 
you have an exciting six games, but it gets harder to get up the hill later on. That's all I'm saying. Unless these guys can figure out a way to just be a quarterback and only break those legs when they need to, it's you're not setting your team up to be successful. I mean, look at Russell, right? Russell was always breaking the pocket and, and like, you know, doing Russell things. Yep. As time's gone has gone by, he's like, I probably don't need to do that as much. Yeah. He doesn't want to do that as much. Yeah. So that's my point. It's like it's a lot easier to stand still and throw it deep. I mean, give it to somebody else to go take the hit is what I'm saying. Like yeah. ultimately, right? Why like, do you have a running back? Right? Yeah. Why do you Why do you set up a a, a big tough? Like I was thinking about uh, watching the Tampa game last night about uh, Mike Allstott, right? Mm-hmm. Back in the day, yeah. and he would just he would bowl through people. Yeah, but this I mean, it's also a completely like I mean, Mike Allstott. I, I get it, but I'm just saying, like, or yeah. you look, you look at, you look at McCaffrey now, mm-hmm. right? Where you have people that can be the right weapon on that offense, but you can't overexert them. You can't, you can't lean too much to your left if you're right-handed. That I, is my yeah, point. I completely agree. You like, you, you will get no argument from. I mean, this whole like ride the hot hand, you know, like yeah. you know, just you got your want your workhorse you know, running back kind of deal. Like, yeah, I agree. Like you need a much, you need to be more balanced, you know, like you can't be completely dependent on one player to do everything for you. Right. Um, Hell look at Prescott. He's, he's probably going to be like, he's one string away from like, just being a, a bench writer. If I'm being honest. No, I think Jerry Dallas Jones is going to like have him. Uh, you, you think that I don't, I'm not that optimistic. I mean, look at how long he kept Jason Garrett employed. And he, cause he had dirt on him. <laughs> so can I just clarify for a second? It sounds to me like you were advocating once again for the white guy, keeping the job over the black guy. And you better stop with that, man. You better get, <laughs> you better get, I know that that obviously has absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, I don't know. I mean, so look, I'm just looking at career passing stats or career stats for Deshaun Watson over the last four years, right? The Eagles uh, gave it another go with Jackson in 2020, but he's now 33 and hasn't played a full season since 2013. Wait, Why the, is that? Eagles? This this is just like... Are you sure you're not talking about... Wait, Deshaun Jackson? Yeah. I'm talking oh, about Deshaun crap. Watson. Man, I... See? I personally typed that wrong. Yeah. Man. They don't even spell Deshaun the same way. Man, shut up. It's Deshaun. Because you started with your stupid crap. And I, I know. <laughs> and now it's just like infecting your brain. <laughs> um. All right. So he had, I mean, he had 4,800 passing yards this last year with 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions. That's not enough passing for you? Almost 5,000 yards? So here's, Okay. <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't help it sometimes. So the Texans offense is how similar to like most of the West coast. Like you, you take him to the chargers, you take him to hell, you take him to Seattle. He struggles there. He's going to struggle and he'll struggle in Denver. He'll struggle in uh, what's another nightmare team on the West coast. Uh, hell, Kansas city. San Francisco. These are places he doesn't fit. 
and it's not him as a as a QB, you're asking him to change his whole playing profile. Why? Are, but my, that's what I don't understand. I mean, I'm I, I'm saying that like I don't think Deshaun Watson, like he has legs. He's not Philip Rivers, but like I, he's also not Lamar Jackson. Like he's not, he's not a guy that is required to run. I feel like he is more of a pocket passer. It just I don't based know. on I my just... knowledge of him, I'm not. Look, I'm not. I know I've been joking about the whole white black thing. That's obviously just I'm just being an <laughs> asshole there. But I'm I'm legitimately trying to understand because so my look, pro- I, my I'm, sorry go my pro- my problem is this. I feel like. Drew Locke in 2021 is much more in the driver's seat. And he's actually got a chance to take the team to the playoffs. And for me, first step is going to be the playoffs because it's been like a crappy three years, right? Right. I would just say the first step is to the playoffs. And I believe that Drew Locke is the guy that knows the offense. You don't spend another season, you know, uh, trying to figure things out. I'm Who's I don't the think... offensive coordinator in Denver. Oh gosh. Uh he was Isn't it McCoy? <laughs> uh Pat Schumer. Pat Schumer, that's right. Uh I think I think Deshaun like two years ago, yeah, that would have been the right guy, right? Because they would have gone through some of the crap they've gone through. Like, you know, some of the trades. The O line is getting a little bit softer, in my opinion. I think I don't know if Bulls is coming back like a hundred percent next year. Cause he's having surgery right now. So you don't have to protect the, like you don't have to protect Deshaun. Like you have to protect Drew Locke in the, in the pocket basically because he's got the legs. But I think that getting a decent offense like right now with somebody that's actually shown that they can play the offense and they, they're not, they're not gun shy is the right play. Cause it gives you time to rebuild in my opinion. I just don't look. I, I mean, you're the Denver fan, and so like I, I would. I'm I would not like, trying to say that your opinion's wrong. I just don't happen to hold the same opinion. I I personally fine. think that based on what I have seen, right, from a limited you know sample size from Drew Locke versus a much larger sample size from Deshaun Watson, I feel like Deshaun is much more of a sure bet in terms of so his the question- ceiling, right, or or maybe even just his floor at quarterback. So the question I would also ask about Deshaun is like, why are things not working? I know why they're not working out in Texas. Because Houston's right? a fucking terrible. I mean, it's well, yeah. I right. You see my point? It's like well, yeah, bec- but that's what I'm saying is like, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, right? Like he was in Houston. He's right. not there anymore. Do we blame DeAndre Hopkins? Was he the reason that things weren't working out well there? That things were such a mess. So my view on quarterbacks is kind of like I, I look at it as you're driving the car, sure. right? And if you if you can build the right relationship with the OC, you can build the right relationship with the head coach, you're in a Brady situation. You're in a um, uh, freaking hell, even a Tony Romo situation where you get to probably have some influence and get things to work that fit your style. Okay. Uh, you're uh, you're you're Philip Rivers situation. You're freaking um, uh, ben Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't see that in a lot of quarterbacks. I do see it in Drew Locke, where I can he's trying to understand how he best fits into the system. 
and how you know how we can improve to you know get the to get the wins. Okay, but I guess so. My other question would be, why do you think that Pat Schumer's offensive system is the right one? I think you need both, right? You need you need to have the 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 quarterback and the OC need to have a better relationship. We, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Like that's how you can take a Tom Brady and send the freaking Tampa that doesn't on on paper look like it's got a shot, and you win a Super Bowl, right? You you can't tell me that he didn't have any influence in the offense. No, today. he did, but because he's Tom Brady. But that's what I'm saying is like, but look at uh, Man- look at Manning, right? Same he thing. did the same thing. And right. that's, but that's what I'm saying is like, I mean, if I'm an offensive coordinator and I've got and Drew Locke comes to me and says, this is what I think we ought to be doing in the offense. I'm going to say, no offense, Drew Locke, but you weren't great last year. You're going to run my system the way I want you to run it. I mean, like Pat Schumer was quoted as saying everything he did last year is correctable, which also makes it sound like everything he did was wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at the same quote. Every- <laughs> And again, I'm just I'm I'll be honest. I am pretty surprised that this is your opinion on this. It's well, it's because I want to get to the playoffs and I think it's a better, it's a safer, more Okay. And so okay, form. let me let me let me rephrase. From that perspective, I do understand, you know, that you see it as the consistency that you carry forward this season, this offseason, you feel like there is a higher floor than if you bring in Deshaun Watson and upset the apple cart. I think that Deshaun Watson ultimately is, I think he, he has shown so far to be a better quarterback than what Drew Locke has shown. That doesn't mean that Drew Locke can't become a better quarterback, but I do think that, I, I don't know. I just feel like Deshaun Watson could come in and instantly provide a level, a, a higher floor. I, 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 I think, don't know. I think Deshaun's just probably got a little bit more arm strength and he's a lot more athletic, right? But, like, so like Deshaun Watson doesn't have a killer arm. Like that has always I, been the one thing it's good enough, right? Yeah. I'm but gonna, it's not, yeah. it's, you know, it's not, he's not like Aaron Rodgers. you know, yeah. it, it, like he's got a little bit more arm strength. I'll give him that. But I'm just saying like, is when I look at the, just my gut. My gut tells me I'd rather I'd rather like really build as opposed to breaking it back down again and seeing what happens, right? I'd I'd feel more comfortable about well this kid if it's correctable, right? His word his quote, everything that he's done is correctable, unquote. He's right. There are a lot of things where it's like, yeah, that's that was a bad read or, you know, you're you're too quick on that shot right there you didn't you should have waited mm-hmm. or you should have you know you should have pushed marsh let marshawn get like a couple more uh a couple more steps on you um so there's a lot of things and i just didn't know verbal typo you know what i meant so my because <laughs> i just saw i saw keezy this oh uh, anyway here's the subway ad right on my t- <laughs> on my mind <laughs> Like, Damn you, Subway. Marshawn. <laughs> I don't even eat meat. But it's like, dude, I don't, I don't know which Broncos yeah. player he's talking about. I guess there must be a Marshawn <laughs> on there somewhere. No, anyway, so let me close that. But you, but you know my point. My point being is like you just want to basically like I'd feel more comfortable with what I've built so far before I broke it down again to say, yeah, this guy on paper probably beats my guy. But if I really believe he can grow into that role – 
I've got to I've got to take that chance or I should have never picked him up. That's how I look at it. I guess uh, I can understand that to some degree. I would counter argue that with then why wouldn't you do the same? Why wouldn't you advise the same thing? And maybe it's because it's simply because he's Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, right? Like you have Jameis Winston who had had, I mean, like he wasn't a great quarterback, but he wasn't as bad as some of these other guys we've seen trotted out here. I mean, I'd take Jameis Winston probably over Jared Goff, but you'd take Tom Brady over anybody else that they, that was up for a trade. Or to pick up, right? No, I would have taken Philip Rivers. Well, you'd have your preference, <laughs> right? <laughs> Look, I will say that I think maybe the biggest mistake that the other 30 teams, 30, 29 teams, because he left the Patriots, he went to the Bucks, and the Chargers were the only other team that apparently expressed any significant interest. Right. Why do you need to give that man yet another reason to be angry at everybody? Like, to go out and prove everybody wrong yet again. Like, we have heard for years, this guy is still mad that he didn't get drafted until the sixth round. Did He he barely even played when he was at Michigan. Dude, I was watching him on the sidelines. They, they cut to him. He was fuming. I was like, yo, so Matthew must have said something to him. I don't think that was a good play, dude. Like you should just like let whatever you whatever you wanted to say, you should have kept it to yourself because all I did was go out there and just Yep. Oh, that was rip, dumb. I mean rip you apart. Yeah. But like but if I'm on the other 32 NFL or 29 NFL teams, at the very least, I'm like, no, we are significantly interested. You know, I'm I'm the Seattle Seahawks, and I'm like, no, we're really considering <laughs> cutting Russell Wilson and signing Tom Brady because we acknowledge that Tom Brady is better than Russell. I know know you can't do that because then the word gets out, oh, the Seattle Seahawks are considering trade. Although there was was supposedly a report earlier this week that was like, you know, I I hate this level of reporting where it's like teams calling Seahawks to gauge interest of trading Russell Wilson. And then you go watch the video and it's like, this is how ridiculous things have gotten. Teams are actually calling, engaging. These. Of course, there is literally no chance on the planet that the Seattle Seahawks would ever. Tra- and I'm like, I know that going into it, but it's like, what is this guy talking about? This can't be legit, you know? And I, oh, it's, 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 Sorry. it's yeah, because I saw the, uh, yeah, I saw the, uh, apparently uh, Brady tweeted or hit Matthew up on a text and apologize for whatever happened in the field. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? Again, I don't want to know about your personal life. You know, I thought it was good football, but I would say that they have to be careful. And you're right. Probably more teams should have been interested. I mean, think about, I would pick up Tom Brady if I could, Yeah, to be honest with you. Um, But you have to think about the aftermath because the Deshaun talks got back to Denver and it was like, how do we fix this? You know? Yeah. Um, I just, I, I don't know, man. I, I think to some degree, like, I mean, shit, you got to put on your big boy pants if you're going to play football in the NFL. Right. And you got to understand that at the end of the day, it's a business. And as much as you might like being in this organization, I mean, it's no different than any other job. Right. Yeah. When Melvin Gordon got picked up at Denver, Philip Lindsay didn't like, right. He basically said, I'm going to, he doesn't have my spot yet. No, I'm a, like, if nothing else this is going to make me work harder because I, now yeah. I know I've got another guy that is as good, if not, you know, potentially better than I am, which I he's don't, not, no, he's not, but you know what I'm saying? Phil, like, yeah, 
Philip Lindsay's a great running back. I'm not trying to take yeah. anything away from him. And you I shouldn't. don't think that Melvin Gordon is better than him. But, <laughs> but yeah, you have another very talented individual who right. is right back there. Who, if I'm not careful, right? If I'm just kind of loafing Coasting. it out here, yeah, yeah, then I could very easily find myself in the number two spot here, not getting as many carries as I want. Yeah. And I think that's where we have to, you know, that's how I look at it. It's like, I thought. Uh, it wasn't a great season. It was obviously not a good season for Denver fans uh, for a lot of people. Um, but I do think that with the Brady Super Bowl win, it gives you, it changes the the, uh, the dynamic of the game. Like it, if I were Philip Rivers, would I have stuck around for one more season? Probably so. Seriously, I would have. No, like, I know, but I, it, I think Philip. The I think the whole reason he ended up signing that one year deal was because he already knew that that was it. That that yeah. that was the last hurrah. I think if anything, Frank Reich probably like convinced him to come to Indy and was like, "Dude, let's give this a shot. I think we can go win. We got a great defense. We're gonna do this, this, this." And Phillips said, "All right, look, man, but like that's it. Like I'll give you one year, but I I'm not committing beyond that because yeah. I really am looking forward to just kind of starting a family." Yep. And I think you know, I think Rivers looked at it and he said, "Yeah, that's probably my best my best shot." Um, you know, and I I don't know. I think I so are you are you saying that Tom Brady is just unique in his in, in who Tom Brady is? Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. I mean, it's look, Tom Brady is without a doubt the most successful quarterback in the history of the NFL, right? Right. I mean, and, and just the guy's got passing records, Bowls, seven, you know, seven wins. Exactly. Yeah. Like, he's got the rings, he's got the appearances. Like, I mean, what else? He doesn't have to do anything else at this point. I mean, right. it, it, it will take somebody having a career that somehow manages to surpass his. Good luck. Right. I mean, and like, that's where people are sitting here like, oh, Patrick Mahomes, you're going to be the next greatest. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, look, he could still, right? I don't think so. Okay. Well, I think he's going to be, oh, he's yeah, going to be in the, my hater sound effect. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I I like Mahomes, but I don't think he's, um, no, I, I don't see it. Um, Look, no. I don't I'm I I don't know. I don't know where you, I where I stand in terms of what like the future of the NFL at quarterback looks like, right? Like I think you're it's got to go back to like a it the game is so unbalanced with all these breakout stars. That's all I'm saying. Like they they got they're going to get these guys these kids like hurt, their careers are going to be super short. I mean, every single one of them, every single one of them they come out of year two with injuries. But I think that's true of most players in the NFL. But you, you, there was not a point ever that I can remember where quarterbacks were like literally injured so much is my point. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like they do more. I mean, there's more rules in place now specifically to protect the quarterbacks than there ever has been. Um, I understand what you're saying in terms of the young guys and especially the mobile guys that they have a tendency to get out there and get hit more. Uh, or you get these young guys and put them behind offensive lines that are, are crap are yeah. Uh, <laughs> sieves. And so they're just getting absolutely demolished. Um, yeah, we talked about it previously with like the whole, you know, all this, you know, well, do you go draft Trevor Lawrence and right. you know, number one overall, how you build an, an uh, a football team? And it's like, why do you go draft the star QB 
if you don't have anybody for him to get the ball to or to protect him. Like, you know, I mean, was it uh, Joe Burrow in yeah. in Cincinnati this year? Where it's like, yeah, guy looks great. Looks like he's the future, at your you know, your future at quarterback. And then he has a devastating inj- injury that could very well impact how well he's able to play for the rest of his life. Like, or the rest so of his career. My point, right? Yeah, like, exactly. It, it's just, it's just like we're we're putting these, these, I'm gonna say kids, these quarterbacks, in a spot where they can't, they're not going to be able to be as successful as prior generations. It's just not going to be possible. I agree, and I think you know, I mean, it's a lot of things, right? Like there is there is a demand for that immediacy, that immediate right. return. Now that I don't, that didn't used to be there, right? The draft was not this thing where you were paying guy, you know, I mean, like it got so out of hand for a while there that they literally had to put rules in place to limit how much these guys are getting paid, depending on where they get drafted. Right. Like that's because teams were so incapable of of holding themselves back. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Of not just gushing over the pure potential. Right. And, and, failing miserably to recognize any any significant value in the experience and i mean look i think you see it's not unique to the nfl right i mean you see it in corporate america all the time where there there's that churn right and it's like well this person yeah they're they've been a good employee and they've been here for 20 years and they've got all this great knowledge but i can hire chip down the street for you know 10 cents on the on the dollar Right. And I'm pretty sure that in, you know, a couple of years time, he'll basically be replacing, you know, or I can go hire five chips. Yeah. You know, and hope that two of them work out. (laughs) I mean, that's. that's, You're not wrong. It's just, it's just, uh, that's why it's kind of, it's probably some of the detail behind my Denver feeling. Right. I'd rather like have a, the delayed gratification and actually build the team the right way. I don't, I don't need to get to the Super Bowl in year one with a new quarterback. That's just, it's just a really silly expectation. But if I just get to the playoffs, it tells me I'm on the right track, right? Um, but we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, we will. Well, we wow, we get to talk about sports. Um, I had a verbal typo. Marshawn. Yeah, I know. Well, that commercial. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Like, why is he in a tire? Why isn't um, he wearing a mask? Because <laughs> he's Marshawn Lynch, fool. Yeah, but like he's um, out in the West Coast. It's terrible out there. You know, yeah, got a good role model. They keep trying to recall the governor in California. I don't understand that. But well, whatever. it's because he keeps imposing rules and then not following them himself. Well, I think it's because he's married to uh, what's her name, Kimberly Guilfoyle. Oh God, that's terrible. That was still probably one of my favorite moments from uh, episode fifty-two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny. That was great. <laughs> I had to do so much bleeping. You, yeah, you. Then you kind of got sloppy with it because you had like a barrage of f bombs. Yeah, this last episode just... too. I mean, it was. I I hope I got them all because <laughs> I was trying, but. You know, it's, you're. Hey, if you're, they say that profanity is a sign of intelligence. So I guess I'm pretty smart. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
I think that's the only one I've dropped so far today. I got so tired of having to, I kept like getting frustrated. I'm like, seriously, Chris, can we stop using the F word? Like I will let every other word basically slide, but the F word I'm trying to just like censor that a little bit more. I feel like that's really one of the only ones that gets cut out of TV and stuff any, anymore these days. So. Oh, I I know. When I was a kid, you never heard anything. Now you hear dick. No, I mean, ass. Like ass, you couldn't say on TV. Yeah. Uh, You know, bitch, son of a bitch, right? Yeah. I like how son of a bitch became acceptable before bitch by itself. (laughs) Like, because you could just run it together. It's like, he's a son of a bitch. (laughs) That's funny. Um. Yeah, well, we're glad you guys joined us. Chris is probably hungry. I uh, I already ate. Yeah, I made spaghetti earlier. And oh, so, so you ate too? No, I didn't eat yet. I made it for everybody else in the house so that they could eat. Oh. Um, and so I'm I am hungry because I've been smelling it for the last several hours. But that's okay. I, had, uh, I I really enjoyed our conversation today. Yeah, me too. I had vegan chili. You know what? I had vegan chili cheese fries for lunch today because I made vegan chili for the Super Bowl. I did too. I made vegan chili nice. for the Super Bowl. <laughs> Um, I should have figured. And, of course, we had the same idea. <laughs> yeah, and then I had uh, hash browns with chili on it, which is great. Um, nice. If you haven't had hash browns with salsa, you should totally do that. It oh, is yeah. to- totally worth it. I made a um, a tofu scramble the other morning. So mm-hmm. I, real quick aside on the food, I've decided I don't like the just eggs anymore. I don't know what it is or something in the in the flavor lately that I'm just like, no, that doesn't taste right to me. And so I've been trying to find my new replacement. This one was pretty good. Um, the problem was like I ended up doing it in a wrap and I put salsa in it and the salsa was like way too liquidy. Right. And so it all just like turned to mush. Yeah. And it kind of like lost all of it. It was just, yeah, that didn't work out either. But I yeah, I like just so when I do just egg, um, it's literally for my bagels. Um, and I'll make it like a omelet. I don't think I like it as a scrambled. Yeah. Um I don't I don't know, man. I I had done it before at both, you know, done it for sandwiches mm-hmm. and then I had also done it for um for scrambles and it was fine. Uh but this time, yeah, I just there was just yeah. I don't know. My palate has been off lately. My allergies have just been like driving me absolutely crazy. And so I think that was part of it was I was just like, things were tasting really funky for a while there. Yeah. Um, I didn't lose my taste. That's good. Cause I was going to say you got the COVIDs. Yeah. Um, So I was doing my best, man. Trying to stay safe and healthy. Yeah. Next week we have to talk about TV subscriptions because uh, my oh yeah we were totally gonna get into that we never made yeah. it there yeah my my new thing is watching snl on, on youtube it is so hilarious like now, um, you have the youtube tv subscription no oh, okay YouTube. you're just watching <laughs> yeah just like i'm gonna watch like i have uh i still have sling tv and i i think it's uh it's probably in my opinion the best service out there for live tv um do you know what i really enjoyed what's that my antenna not the fancy one but the crappy little wall in indoor wall mounted one worked great for the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. Cause I I didn't think about it until literally I went to turn on the television and I was like, oh yeah, I kind of have to watch this in the living room because that's the only one that's got the antenna. Like I don't have a <laughs> anything uh-huh. else. Because it's CBS all access. You had to have right. the CBS sub- subscription, which I don't. Um, but it actually worked out great. And 
I, it was weird because, you know, normally I would be like, oh, whatever. If I'm going to miss some commercials, I'll back it up. But because it was live and I don't have any like DVR, it was, I don't know. It was kind of like nostalgic. You know, it was like yeah. back in the day when everybody would just, the game was on and you were just kind of like, <laughs> kind of had to watch what was going on while you were in the kitchen. And well, you know, the cool thing about commercials, you can get up and get more food. You can. Yes. Uh, like, and- you know, like, yeah, you don't feel like you're missing anything. I mean, uh, well, yes, but at the same time, like that's half the reason I watched the game was for oh, yeah, the commercials. Yeah. There were uh, some good commercials. There were some good ones, uh, including the ones. new Paramount streaming service, which was what was originally <laughs> going to. We just we didn't make it past all of the Super Bowl stuff. We got stuck on yeah. football for so long. But no, that's a good one for next week for sure. Yeah, and I I didn't like the whole why. I mean, I don't understand why we're going at Norway like that. Um, like in the. Yeah, I mean, look, General Motors hasn't had my backing since what two thousand eight. Eight. Um, so I just I don't really care much about what it is that GM's doing. Like, if I'm gonna buy a domestic vehicle, it's gonna be a Ford. Yeah, me too. Like that's pretty much, and we'll see. I don't know. Toyota's making it really hard for me to buy <laughs> domestic. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I saw the uh, and I know we gotta go, but I saw the new F one fifty. Yeah, God. I know. Gosh, <laughs> like I really, I really like the like dark graphite version yeah. of like the Raptor. Yeah, is really nice. The problem is, I mean, first off, sixty thousand dollars for a freaking truck. Um, and second, like I just, I feel like ultimately I could get an F one fifty. And do a lot of those upgrades and stuff myself and have it at the level that I want it and not like, because I feel like ultimately it's going to have too much of like the gaudy show off crap that I don't want on it. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, if I had a choice between, uh, actually, that's not true. <laughs> I'll tell you what, buy, no, with the thing I was I, going to tell you was a complete lie. Yeah. yeah I would buy a Raptor. Like I, I couldn't, I don't think if I had the choice to buy like a new truck, Mm-hmm. And it was uh, F-150 or a Raptor, I'd buy a Raptor. Uh, just the the work they do on the engine is dope. I mean, uh, the engine, yeah. It's got the twin-turbo V6. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think part of it is because my dad's a car guy and he's got his shop. And so I feel like we could get all of the aftermarket stuff. Well, but... the Raptor, I think, is, is kind of pricey, though. So I mean, that's what I I'm think... saying. It's like fifty five, sixty thousand dollars $60,000. No, it's like seventy. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, that sounds about right. That's like I don't know what. I mean, yeah, I just I. I mean, I'm certainly not in a position to buy a seventy thousand dollar car or truck, um, right now. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've been I've been trying to figure out for the next vehicle what it's going to look like. The F one fifty has been one of the things I've been looking at. More okay, so these guys are such BS liars. They say it starts at fifty three. <laughs> yeah, every uh, that is BS. I'm going to look before we get off the air. I want to talk about that because I just want to make sure I have the right price. That is not true. How much is? I don't know what that is. It's like whatever money they use in Philippines. <laughs> They're saying fifty three. I know that's not true. When I looked at, I was looking at one. Um, <laughs> a few months ago like six months so ago. i think like the super basic does start at 53 because it's got the 454 horsepower 
But then you can do all of the other upgrade stuff. Like wheels? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can do the wheels and the tire kit and the tow package and the sport and, you know, start adding all the other crap onto it. I mean, because the regular F-150 starts at 28. Yeah, and that's just so, got doors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I, a regular <laughs> cab. The, the version of the truck that literally nobody has ever purchased. Yeah. Um, but even, I mean, the Super Crew cab starts at 35. Like, I mean, a base Super Crew at 35, I, you're telling me I couldn't put $20,000 worth of upgrades on that to get it even close to that Raptor? That's that's probably true. Like, I saw I used one for uh, 55 in uh, Wake Forest. If you they hold back. their value. Yeah. I would, I mean, it's not a priority. Like, a car is not well, a Well, and I, I've got to forget, I forget that that, that thirty five thousand dollar F one fifty is not going to be four wheel drive. Oh, that's so gonna again, be, that's going to be two. So, well, I don't know. Look, would I love to buy one? Yeah. Am I probably going to end up with an F one fifty instead? Yeah. Will I will I get the Raptor grill for it as an aftermarket add on? You know it. Replace all the badging on it. So I thought you bought a new truck. Yeah, it's getting worked on. Like yeah. a month later. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound yeah. like a raptor <laughs> yeah sort of v like 4.5 like it's like where's the other yeah four, four and a half uh, cylinder <laughs> <laughs> i saw this the dan this thing the 50 uh 2021 mustang yeah. i was like all right that's still not true it's a 4.6 liter and it's got ecoboost yeah. so that's false advertising and you anyway. it up all right. Well, we could go on for hours, but we're very glad you joined us. Uh, Chris is doing a very good job of getting some episodes out. So eventually you'll get this one too. Yeah. Um, Someday. <laughs> you can always catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Pod, or Google Music, Apple Podcasts, uh, Pandora. And anywhere that you're listening to RSS, you can probably uh, just go to our website at chrisandandreshow.com. Uh, pull the RSS feed and put it wherever you want to. I personally listen to it on Plex uh, 99% of the time. I like to print uh, it out and put it up on my wall so I can remember <laughs> You're an idiot. what our website is. <laughs> so that's chrisandandreshow.com. We've got a lot of stuff planned for the year. Uh, it's February already. Um, yeah, follow us on Twitter at Chris and Andre. Facebook, we're there. Yeah. I, I know, but yep. I Instagram, don't... we even have a Pinterest account. Yeah. Yeah. And a we... YouTube that eventually I might get around to putting some of these up <laughs> on if I ever feel like it. We'll yes. Yeah, I might have to learn how to help my buddy out here. <laughs> I need to lose some more hair. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. I was going to say it's filling in really nice, Andre. <laughs> yeah. I just like, I want to cut out this like, damn. He's got me helping him. I will, I will not do that. No. So I'm just lying. That's a lie. That's, that's not true. I wouldn't put that evil on you, Ricky Bobby. Yeah. Oh, man. Speaking of which, I was just telling that. Like, we were watching an SNL clip, and Tetchy's like, I don't like Will Ferrell. I'm like, but Ricky Bobby, you know, you didn't like that movie. She goes, what do you mean, Ricky Bobby? I'm like, Ricky Bobby, you know? She goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last. She goes, what are you talking about? So I'm like, she well, has, we have to. She's not she, seen Talladega Nights? She's not. I'm like, Ricky. And I just kept saying Ricky Bobby. And and like, I'm sure she was ready to like hit you. Yeah, she was. <laughs> if you say Ricky Bobby to me one more time. 
<laughs> oh, there's two. Now I got two I got to bleep out. You know, sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> oh, sweet baby Jesus. Oh, man. Manger, anyway. That's gold fleece Man- diaper. <laughs> oh, man. That's a great movie. It is. I watch it like once a month. Anyway, we're glad you joined us. I've had verbal typos. Chris has been dropping F-bombs like. Just a couple. It's rain and F-bombs. But um, yeah, we'll we'll be back next week. Uh, we're not sure. I'm not sure when you're going to hear this, but uh, just to make Chris really mad, it's February 9th when we record this episode. So probably by July. Yeah. <laughs> as, yeah al- <laughs> as always, I'm Andre. And I'm Chris. <laughs> and we'll talk to you soon.